Gab and Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media. You and my Coke? Ew. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> but ew. Pubes. Bush is back, though. Is Bush back? Not all right, the do press, you get the relevance? But the pubes. I mean, you gotta be. I'm not. I don't know. I'm. Is okay. it a TikTok thing? No. So <laughs> the Clarence Thomas Anita Hill. Oh my God. Remember how all far that? Back and are she, you going in time? I'm going that far back just because he's relevant right now. Him Clarence's because of Ben because Sworn. Because of, of his wife. his wife. Oh. Yeah. Okay. His wife and that seven, uh, they found out today that seven hours of phone logs are just not, are missing from January 6th. Now, I was not around during Watergate, but I have read a lot about it. And I remember mm-hmm. when they had 18 minutes mm-hmm. missing and they freaking freaked out and impeached him well he stepped down but yeah yeah he resigned he would have been impeached though Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be interesting to see how that turns out but you know what i don't even want to talk about that today because we have a guest and i just now met her a couple weeks ago and i think she's amazing met her at the same time (laughs) yeah you might have met her beforehand you met her before me yeah and then i just met her a couple weeks ago stop (laughs) integrating your time into my timeline ma'am keep your wife's name out of (laughs) keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth he apologized for that i saw that yeah yeah cool so that's good so we're all cool it's all copacetic i guess yeah (laughs) i don't you know whatever like would you like to introduce our guest because we both know her at the same time it's not one of those things you like... You met her one whole week before I did, so you get your right. fast friends I'm, first. I'm excited about her because <laughs> I've seen your name floated around, and we have a lot of mutual friends, but the reason that I really want you on is you wrote a book. I don't know anybody that's written a book, so I'm super, super freaking excited about it. Please welcome East SM author. Yay! 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 Hello, East. Hello. Hello. All right. So um, we'll just go ahead and get the book out of the way. Okay. Get the book out (laughs) of the way. Yes. Uh, Your book comes out June 21st of this year. Why on that day? Yeah. Well, let me tell you. um, (laughs) I decided to pick summer solstice as a day for release just because of the symbolism behind that. And I'm a person that very much functions on... um, the spiritual symbolism of how I execute my life and summer solstice is very much about celebrating our hard work. So you might have to put that in front of your face. Let me just eat the microphone. You act like you're maybe used to that. (sighs) Okay. Sorry. Um, (laughs) anyway, um, summer solstice is super important to me because it celebrates your hard work. And I think that, 
Um, when you read the book, you'll see a lot of the language is very spiritually symbolic. And so I, I'm trying to basically live the words that I'm writing. I'm going to read this from your publicist. Yes, please do. Straight out of the Appalachian Mountains, Mercy's Quest, that's the name of the book, by East SM is inspired by an author's own account. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm terrible at reading. It's totally fine. <laughs> an author's own encounters with the mystical as a generational... Divination. Divination. Yeah. I, it's totally fine. It's like... It was like divide nation artist we East. are a part of the <laughs> divinian nation <laughs> sorry i'm a terrible guest no you're no, not, you're not because i totally got I'm it and i got with time. you <laughs> east drew inspiration from her small coal mining town to create this rich novel so is this like a fantasy coal miner's daughter it's totally not coal miner's daughter <laughs> um it is fantasy uh, I do I, I do love some Sissy Spacek. Uh, oh, Tame went wrong movie. Um, yeah, but that is a good one. It was a great movie. Do uh, I saw the cabin yeah. that they Belonging filmed that at? Horny. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that's the only thing that stuck out for me in that movie. Uh, we every, love you, every, Sissy Spacek. Every time I eat a bologna sandwich, uh, I feel the need to have sex. I don't I, know. I um, think I might need to get some bologna. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need to be full of bologna. It's definitely uh, full of a lot of the things that people that come from the kind of family that I come from, uh, old Appalachian mountain folk tell that kind of fantasy and just really embracing the hero's journey and the quest that we're all on um, because we're all on our own path, so to speak. And so I was really inspired by narrative and I feel like from a spiritual perspective that, you know, when we see characters in art, film, music, whatever... Um, that's just another example of how we can kind of pull from that and possibly choose to take that into our own inspiration and react from that same same space or not. And so I was really kind of tired of reading uh, quest or journeys where the heroine or the hero was having to find the good in the world or the right moment for mm-hmm. themselves. And, and as a person that's a human being, much like both of you, I would assume you both realize that life is not that fairy tale-ish. And that the moments that are dark and kind of oppressive feeling are are a lot more than we probably were told growing up. Mm -hmm. And so it was important for me to put stories out that were more realistic with a character that maybe necessarily doesn't get a happy ending every time. But you can see how this person is reflecting their life experiences off of characters that we come come encounter or or come across in our own lives every day, be it the the person that's trying to take advantage of us or the person that's maybe trying to uh, um, flirt with us and maybe inflate our egos, Mm -hmm. you know, just different kinds of circumstances. And and of course, there's a plot in there as well, (laughs) you know, and a purpose. But I really wanted to put more emphasis in the character building and the character reaction in this first book to kind of give you a taste of the direction of where the whole series is going. So oh, so it's cool. going to be a series. It's a series. Nice. Right. There's going to be more than one. Yay. Yay. So cool. Tell me your favorite thing about Mercy. My favorite thing time. about her at this time is she is a lot like myself, I think. She's very non-traditional. So her approach to life, I actually had someone read my book 
And <clears throat> they gave me the first negative feedback that I got. And this was lovely because they were like, you know, I just really can't relate to this character. Well, she's not human. So good job. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, I love that she's a, a person that's that's trying to have this experience, a spiritual experience in this world that's not doing it by traditional standards. She's not trying to weigh um, her worth based on the relationships that she's, you know, intimate, sex, you know, whatever. She's not trying to measure her worth on her station within her family. It's really based on how she listens to herself and how she trusts herself to go forward in this world. That sounds super empowering. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Other than the small town Appalachian feel, what, um, what other inspiration goes into this book um witchcraft supernatural yeah Yeah. i grew up you know as somebody that come from a non-traditional kind of spiritual family and so um i did grow up in private christian school basically because my mom worked there and i got a free education so i was exposed to christianity um all the way through i've read the bible a couple of times from front to back and could tell you probably anything you wanted to know about any particular character in the well, story well you and gail can spar over that uh. even though it's not my pathway and so um on the other hand of that i had aunties and great grandmothers that would read tea leaves and very much believed in the energetic experience in this world and how you follow nature and how the God that you believe in is really internal and that the divine experience is more of a connection and an exchange rather as, than a subservient kind of station that we see in traditional religions. And so that inspired me as somebody that grew up in a small Appalachian town that was traditionally Baptist, you know, um, to be able to this character kind of embodies a lot of the empowerment that I was forced to embody by growing up as a non-traditional person in a very traditional community. So, Yeah, I think that people are often surprised uh, with religion at how much coincides with finding the spiritual relationship. And it's not always, you know. It's ever-changing for that, most people. Right. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people do set up the theocracy especially in couples and family units and things like that but and we know that traditionally those have all supported kind of more of a government structure Mm -hmm. not really the spiritual experience in this world and so Mm -hmm. I'm hoping you know that as we see more literature that's kind of I know being a witch is kind of the the popular thing to be right now and if you catch me on a bad day I'm probably going to talk about how much that pisses me off but if you could today's a good day and so um I do love the fact that these non-traditional kind of uh spiritual experiences or spiritual pathways are, are, are encouraging people to kind of behave towards others in different ways, um, react to their own dreams and the standards they're trying to set for themselves in different ways. And that's the kind of growth and evolution that I'm looking for in the human experience in Mm -hmm. this world. And unfortunately, and this can be, I guess, incredibly controversial to some folks, but for me, uh, traditional religion doesn't provide a whole lot of room or opportunity for that level of growth. Yeah, definitely. I, I understand. I mean, I just, have a different revelation on who Christ is, but I wasn't raised in a church, so I wasn't indoctrinated, nor did I have to deal with a lot of the things that, 
any you religion that oppresses with. others within sure. their within their religion is just not good, and that's going to be what ninety nine percent of them. Sure. So, and honestly, in researching this book, I, I found some some situations where I was kind of questioning my own spiritual path mm-hmm. in this world because I'm someone that I would consider definitely not an expert in alchemy and hermetics, but it's something that I've studied in pretty decent detail for over the past decade. And not that it's non-existent, but there's not a lot of female heavy presences in that work, much like Mm -hmm. any kind of, you know, whether it's traditional pagan religions Mm -hmm. that are documented or traditional, you know, Christianity, there's not a lot of platforms for these, you know, amazing women. And if, and if there are spaces that are created for these women, they're created from this space of them giving something or sacrificing something of themselves. And so you're hard pressed to find that hard-edged ruler with tits or you know Mm -hmm. the people that have that kind of feminine presentation and so um that also to me is something that's incredibly fascinating and limiting in the traditional experience in this world because women as you know in my book my main character she holds space as a spiritual leader she facilitates spiritual spaces and in the town that I came from that was something that even within the Christian tradition was something that women didn't do women didn't hold spaces of leadership and so um, I still think no matter how much work we've, we've done where we've made it a trend on mm-hmm. which talk to be these kind of open spiritual vessels, we still have a whole lot of work. I know the do. Southern Baptist faith has kind of come around to, oh, we're, we're going to have to let women start being pastors oh, or yeah. they're going to start leaving the church. Yeah. We're going to start losing money if we don't start treating these women better. So I think some of them have come around but the really like old school yeah, small town pardon, like where yeah. i'm from i'm sorry yeah. you will not see that nope you won't well i find mm-hmm. it interesting because they also gloss over all of the places where women were extremely integral to the stories in the sure. bible like women finance the entire ministry of christ women you know even old testament but in you know um don't women have positions of leadership in Jewish and Judaism? I will not profess to speak about something that I'm not entirely, See, but I yeah. will tell you that their view on sacred feminine is incredibly different from yes. the sacred feminine component that you see in traditional mm-hmm. religions. I feel like there's a little bit Do more. Do you care to turn that light that way? Respect, perhaps. Thank you. Spotlight. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. I don't mean to blind you. Blinded by the light. <laughs> right? Cue the keyboard. Gail's a douche in the What kind of research yeah. did you do for your book? <laughs> um, so the research that I did, um, I think I mentioned earlier, I really looked into people that had made a name for themselves with alchemy and mm-hmm. had come to this conclusion that it was mostly macu- masculine. The Pythagorean Brotherhood and all the things that kind of were the foundations of sacred geometry was part of my research. Um, and then I already kind of had this foundation of medical intuition and knowledge of what body parts represent certain spiritual components of our experience in this world. So, for example, we carry compassion in our shoulders, that mm-hmm. type of thing. And so there's there's a bit of dismemberment in my in my book and some cannibalism. So there are spiritual correlations to what those kind of spiritually tied to in my book as well so and all that ties into essence magic which is something that is a little bit from the roots of where I come from so anybody that work with can you explain what essence magic is essence magic is basically um kind of a more dramatic way of talking about blood magic when you're working with witchcraft and so 
with essence magic, you're using parts of a human anatomy, whether it be skin, nails, hair, blood. I mean, it can kind of, you know, sex magic can also integrate into this space. And so it's using what you physically, the essence of what you physically kind of brought into this world to help enhance and connect energetically with what you're trying to call in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful magic. I guess. It's what? I'm collecting thumbs if anybody wants to donate any. We will provide that number at the end of the podcast. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I need mine for now, but when I'm ready to let go. I will take them. I'll let you have them. Just makes talking about religion and thumbs and everything, righteous Jim stones when he breaks his thumbs. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how much T V you watch, but the Righteous Gemstones is just everything that I've ever seen in the Southern Baptist faith. I'll have it's to check that out. yes, yeah, it's hilarious. It's Danny McBride. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. You know, I told you I have an owl out here, right? Like I'm the Bird Lady of Briarcliff. Well, there's of course an owl out at the property in South Carolina, which, and then uh, which there gave me an owl claw. That's holding a stone. I don't know anything really a lot about stones, but it's a star, midnight star. Oh, interesting. Like that stone. And then I had another lady tell me that I need to, you, you know, come back, choose. And I'm like, so what y'all are telling me is that damn Hogwarts has yeah. let me to know. Where's my letter? They need, well, apparently <laughs> I've already got the letter. I must have to come back to remember teach classes those are my favorite stories when someone gave me this mysterious mystical item and said this mysterious mystical (laughs) thing yes those are the best stories and then the uh, the person that gave me the owl claw later gave me the splinter from this tree (laughs) she was like this means something for you but i if you want to come back and i'll read you but this means something Okay, thank you. Yeah. So all this was prevalent in your family. Yes. And that's how you yes. learned to be. So basically, um, I'm a reader of divination, tarot cards, tea leaves, bones, that sort of thing. So is my aunties. So is my great aunties, my great grandmother, her mother. So many generations over. And obviously, we didn't use tarot cards because tarot cards is something that's fairly recent in terms of divination artistry. So bones and tea leaves tend to be what my family kind of or is what my family started. Can you explain with. the bones? Like somebody would just bring a bone? Sure. Or, or So the bones that I have that I use, I have certain jaw bones from certain animals. I have toe bones. I have different types of bones. And so basically when I'm casting my circle, it's very much like symbolic sight. Um, so I utilize, and I'm not going to profess to speak on other people that read bones because I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. has their own process. But I read bones very much like I read tea leaves. And I teach this workshop here locally. Um, But basically, you know, my casting space, whatever my divination board or table, I'll divide that into sections. So it'll either be past, present, future, or I'll, you know, so the top of the of the board would be maybe something that's, you know, more prevalent than, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or I'll divide it into quadrants of four, which represent my elemental houses. So it'll be like the house of pentacles, which will talk about safety, abundance Mm -hmm. and money. A house of swords, which talks about your mental kind of uh, communication and how we listen and you know and so on and so forth 
And so when I cast my bones, whatever my mind's eye, you know, I, I, when I teach my students, I say it's a lot like playing imagination or playing make-believe. If I were to, you know, if I were to take you outside, and I'm sure we all did this in elementary school at some point when the teacher said, look up the cloud, look at the clouds and, and try to tell me what shape you think that you see. That's a great way to kind of, you know, introduce how your intuition tries to communicate to you. So um, if, if you can still yourself in the, with the right moment and kind of ground your energy, then cast those bones or those tea leaves, get a notepad and kind of open yourself up to what stories or shapes that that's telling you. And I tell my students, you know, take your time with it. Don't try to force some kind of prominent or um, amazing reading in 30 seconds. You know, when I first started sitting with readings, I would sit for days sometimes with things and take pictures of things and just kind of redraw the images. And and then, you know, some people go straight to Google and they're like, you know, what does the number three mean, Google? Tell me an angel numbers or whatever the shit <laughs> that you look up. I try to tell people what I want you to do first is ask yourself what does that mean to you? There's going to be a meaning that you're going to find that's going to be pretty universal. But the most important meaning is you as the channeler, you know, I think in the artist way, one of you all were talking about reading yeah. the artist way. And we were talking or it, it tells in that book about how, you know, the artist has to be the most humble being in this world because you're the channeler. You're the person that's bringing the information through. So it's very much kind of the same thing in that regard. You're bringing that information through. And um, I forgot what I was talking moment reading in your bones day. and how casting your bones and ring me rain me in okay yes casting your bones when you draw when you when you when you have that frame of reference that foundation of what things mean to you that's your you're the channel so it's coming through your intuition and your filters and the way that you need to communicate that so maybe the way that you see three if you're reading for me i need to hear the way that that hits you not necessarily what google is telling me I mean it, it is means. the magic number Three oh, cue blonde melon. Didn't they redo that? Didn't Shannon Hoon redo? Yes. That? Oh my god, yeah. that was so great. Very pretty. Yes, loved yeah. him. But yeah, int intuitive impression versus kind of the academic intellectual mm -hmm. impression. And me as a reader, I will take both of those things and go through this this process of deduction because um, there are people, you guys had Ash Mack on recently. She's an intuitive reader. Mm -hmm. um, I use intuitive reading along with intellectual reading, meaning that the, the tools that I have, I'm using, I've studied whatever that creator says that they mean. And so, Right. Yeah. I used to have a tarot deck I would read a long time ago. I was pretty good at it. My my mom like they dabbled in stuff like that but that things like that never interest me um the witchcraft never interests me now nature though and just being outside with nature like you said looking at the clouds i intentionally look for things sure um that mean something to me i'm all the time and i'm I'm just now pointing things out to Charlotte. You know, mm -hmm. we do nature walks all the time and I'm telling her what plant this is. And I want to get her in ground too, because I was thinking about it while you were sitting here and I'm having a high thought right now, <laughs> but up in those small little towns like that, you don't have internet. You don't, you barely have TV, right? You don't, all you have are books and nature yeah. and the things outside. So I can totally see that being as a form of entertainment as well as, um, fuck, I forgot my thought, uh, informative and, sure. you know. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, and two, I have to tell you, you know, uh, I, my experience with working with intuitive magic, spiritualism, sacred, you know, anything that was non-traditional uh, was, was, was very jarred when I moved to Knoxville because you know you you brought up the word witch Wiccan all this stuff I'm not a Wiccan uh, that is a that's a tradition that's a religion that I'm not I have friends that are very committed to that I have a hard time using the word witch to self-describe because I'm, I feel like I'm more of an occultist I guess in that regard okay how long um when did you move here when did you what what age so I moved here at age 23 okay yeah that kind of reminds me of all right, we all know the movie movie Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah. Where she's from Africa. Yeah. That's where she's been all of her life. And then she comes to California and it's a complete and utter, you know, jarring experience. Totally my and that's, experience. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm wondering if that so you had. So I'm growing up with my family, like kind of having their own approach to spiritualism and sacredness. Mm-hmm. And then I go to an open ritual here with a local Wiccan group. Mm-hmm. group. And I have somebody very dramatically calling the cauldron or the, the corners of the north and bringing in. And I'm not at all making fun of that. But that was just a very, it was a, it, my experience up to that point was not that dramatic mm-hmm. or theatrical rather. Mm-hmm. And so, although to this day I still participate in rituals that very much mirror what I just said, that is not indicative of the foundations that kind of birthed me into the magical experience of this world. And so that's why it feels a little fraudulent sometimes at times when I say the word witch, because there's a lot of people from a Wiccan tradition that very much hold on to that identity. And it it isn't truly what describes I'm a cosmic being trying to have this universal experience in this world that messes with occultism and sacred geometry from time to time. I'm not really trying to, um, you know, find out what my elemental cause is in this pathway and just like be be one with the trees like some mm-hmm. folks, even though I respect that pathway. That's just not my path. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on uh, alternate realities and alternate dimensions? Oh in my here? god! I'm and space. So reluctant to talk about this because oh. I feel like a crazy person. Why are you reluctant? No, 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 no. Because no, listen, like I'm down time. with this shit. Okay, I'm so into it. Very as much too. And Hello, sister. I feel like people check out sometimes <laughs> when I get into it. Hello, Hi, sister. You're in a safe place right this. now. I, I feel am. like I need a name tag. Hello, <laughs> super. My name is Brandy, and I am you one. This is what I. You want a name tag? Yes. I'll go get you one right now with a magnet. Um, <laughs> dimensions. So I guess because when you take it back to the foundation of what my personal belief system is, I believe that whatever kind of divine condition created this experience that is me in this world, um, I'm an intelligent spiritual being that's very in tune with my own awareness. And I kind of know, you know, as somebody that's been walking that pathway, when you were talking about teaching people how to have symbolic sight, like when I need to pay attention to things. Um, however, I feel like, what were we talking about? Jesus Christ. Dimensions, dimensions. alternate dimensions. See, I must be living in one right now because I can't <laughs> stay focused. I feel like because I do believe in reincarnation and I believe that I come into this world to kind of express a certain kind of gift. Mm-hmm. And I, be- I believe for me in my experience, I get an, a, a lot of opportunities to kind of run that course in different scenarios to see how that works. I'm a little more cl- inclined to believe that <sighs> um, you have a lot of chances you're going you're going to have a lot of reincarnations until you get it right yeah until you 
until you get it. Right. Until your third eye is opened and you get that you are actually part of this universe and you need to care for it and you need to care for your fellow man. I almost believe that when the light that they see when you go, you know, oh, go towards the light, go towards the light. Carol Ann, don't go. It's the hospital room. Yeah, it is. It is. It's you being born again. But think about it like this, though, like in terms of like tying it into the dimensional component of Mm -hmm. it. I think we as humans can only conceive time in a certain way, right? And so I believe that within that concept of having those numerous lifetimes to kind of go through and become the fullness of your cosmic being, there are also that possibility to do it across parallel dimensions. And so time, as we know it from a quantum standpoint, is very spherical. It's not linear. And so when we talk about reincarnation and all these opportunities that we could have potentially had if we believe in that, that's a very linear kind of way of thinking because you're just going through this repetitive pattern of I die, I'm being reborn, I die, I'm Mm -hmm. being reborn. I will tell you, if I was not an intuitive dreamer, if I wasn't somebody that didn't, that did, you know, that did not do intuitive readings, I probably wouldn't give it any thought parallel dimensions. But I have had dreams of the city that I'm from um, numerous dreams since I was a kid and I'm in my mid 40s at this point where that city is a different city and I know that I'm plugged into that space try to not get everybody confused but basically like if that city were to make a different set of choices and become a different space it would be a different kind of entity on its own and how I'm plugged into this birthplace of mine from from you know uh, I'm seeing it kind of in that perspective mm-hmm. and so after many years of dreaming of this kind of alternate reality of my hometown I finally put two and two together and I believe intuitively no matter how crazy it might make me sound that I've tapped into the alternate reality of what my city would have been and even more so I feel like I've tapped into the alternate version of myself that's living in that reality and I believe when those opportunities come up to us whether it's an awareness or in conversation that we're having with each other it's there's something to be learned there mm-hmm. i'm not put on this earth to write the book on parallel dimensions and quite frankly mm-hmm. if i had not dreamed that i might be skeptical because i even though i'm a very open book and very spiritual i very much also still need to have my own experience in this world and because i've experienced that i'm comfortable with speaking about that but um we had talked about when we had met briefly about Dolores Claiborne and mm-hmm. that was something mm-hmm. that I really enjoy listening to her speak about as well because I feel like some folks look at it as a different vibration a different vibrational version of mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. so from from her teachings you could potentially see that as you looking into the higher version of yourself but I think that there's multiple vibrational versions of who we are as as beings so there's many vibrational tones so there's got to be have y'all ever experienced acutonics no please explain that Yes. yes I didn't know it was called acutonics. That's oh, where so I'm I have not. a friend here in town. I didn't I'm know that was the word. My two new friends. Okay. To this person, I love that you brought that up though because um, she is. I'm, is it like frequency he- it healing? Is, yeah. it okay. Is, it's sound healing, yeah. but I'm reluctant to say that word because mm-hmm. when people hear sound healing, they automatically go to the bowls. And, yeah, the, and the multiple right. sync, which I love. I've participated in those. You know, I went to a kirtan chant at one time. It was lovely. And they had all these chants and all these beautiful Tibetan bowls with different tunes and whatnot. 
But anyway, acutonics is very much like reflexology or acupressure because the, the foundational system of which it functions from is acupressure points. And so we know uh, most of us that are into, you know, Eastern philosophy and Eastern medicine or alternative healing uh, that there are meridians mm-hmm. that run through our body and they go very much along your chakra, you know, kind of timelines. Mm-hmm. And so there are acupressure points. And so I could I could hit a, po- a point on my forearm that could relate to certain organs so we don't have to you know go through that whole detail of explaining this so how acutonics works this particular healer and she and i um she's probably going to kill me for saying this but we are uh actually planning a retreat in bali and so there'll be more information on that coming up and she she's done retreats in egypt and different places she's an amazing heart-centered healer so she really focuses on how our heart specifically communicates with our spiritual experience and what's going on And so you go into her space and her table is a heated rose quartz table. So let's just start with that. Okay. Okay. So you're laying on rose quartz that's heated. That's first off is fucking phenomenal. Warm love. Let me just pay you just to lay on your heated rose quartz and feel like a (laughs) goddess for about, you know, 45 (laughs) minutes or whatever. And so she has these, she has a gong that's tuned to the sun. That's kind of freestanding to the side of the stage. And she wears this this kind of belt that has all these striker plates on it. And she has these tuning forks. And so all these tuning forks are tuned to like A, B, you know, to your different mm-hmm. tones. And these particular notes are tuned to planets. And so what she does is as, she, you know, you're laying on her table, she'll hit that striker and you'll hear, Doo, you'll hear that reverb of that tone. And she'll put it to your acupressure point and you can feel the sound traveling through your body. And so anybody that dances or does any Mm -hmm. type of performance or movement, you are very in tune with the fact that you're you're keeping energy in your body. Mm -hmm. And so for me, as somebody that has done a lot of spiritual work from the cerebral kind of component of being in my mind, it's really nice to have a healing modality that physically comes in and does the work without me having to think through the work. And so she's hitting all these tones and you're laying there and she has like a, a sound bowl on your on your chest, on your heart chakra, and she plays rattles. And so you're hearing kind of the song that your body would sing, you know, and so and no, and you'll never hear that in any other capacity. And it's the way that it's singing based on where you're presenting right now in this moment. And so sometimes I've went to her and she's actually had to tune me back down because she'll tune me up so open. I'll have to come back and be like, okay, you're going to have to ground me back down a little bit. But it's an incredible. When you say, can you give me an example of that? Like what, what is tune up? Like, so if she's tuning me up, for example, she, uh, let's say, um, and I'm not going to speak her specific key. Mm-hmm. She knows what, what tone, what key matches, mm-hmm. whatever. But if I were to come into her and I were to say, you know, which she's pretty, pretty intuitive. So really, you don't like, really how are you this. feeling before you go in there? So if I'm coming come in out? and I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really heavy and okay. I'm feeling pretty sad, then she's going to pick certain planets based on my kind of astrological alignment and what's going on with the tuning forks. And she's going to hit certain acupressure points that are hooked to my heart or my kidneys or whatever that have this relation to, uh, to spiritual experiences I'm having. Cause we know that our kidneys kind of hold our anger, you know, and all this other stuff. And so she can go in there with these tones and break that heaviness up and get that vibe. Cause we're all running on a rhythm, right? We, th- we talk about ohm, the sound that the, 
that the earth you know makes mm-hmm. when it breathes with transcendental meditation we learn that you know there's a sound when each one of us were born there's this u- unique sound that the earth was making so we're these people that we go to these drumming rituals you know we're all very tonal rhythmic fire burns you know mm-hmm. you know as much about you know when you go to burns with you know all the fire burners and that kind of thing we're getting lost in the flow or the rhythm of what's going on in this universe and so when you can bring your healing modality into that kind of space and have a rhythmic experience with your spiritual experience for me and I understand that that's probably not for everyone but as an artist as someone that moves in my body it's fucking hands down Mm -hmm. my number one choice for healing yep it's yeah I'm gonna want you have to do that I didn't know that that's what it was called and I should have because my mom used to do acupuncture Mm -hmm. she was an assistant to a Korean doctor Dr. Lee you know that chick from Wizard of Oz, the Wicked Witch of the West, Margaret, whatever. Yeah, they were. She was one of their patients. Oh wow, oh, that's cool. That is really cool. Yeah, she gave us all kinds. Of, she gave us autographed eight by tens from Wizard of Oz and all that that's stuff too. Cool. She was super nice. Apparently, very very nice lady. I mm. love that. Okay, the pole. Oh yes, the pole. Listen, I like to throw my body around poles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated with pole dance and pole work. Um, I follow everybody on Instagram. I'm watching all the time. I'm sitting here thinking, I can do that. I can do that. And never do. You should totally come try. I know. I I have been. I have been to a couple of classes. Come to my class. I just never have time. Is yours a beginning class? Very territorial, but no. Um, My class is a beginning class. And then I want to go to one of your classes already. I told... uh, my guy tonight actually i said well she teaches that lyra and i want to do it so bad i'll probably die but can i bring my own mattress (laughs) you can bring your own coffin should you choose (laughs) perhaps your own what uh, your funeral maybe i don't know (laughs) i do have a wheelchair should i bring that yeah yeah (laughs) what does pole give you oh my god um it's honestly I've been a dancer for over 20 years in different types of movement and there's it's incomparable to anything that I've ever experienced and and it's because of one thing and one thing only it's the uh, athletic component the gymnastics component mm-hmm. um, I have found that a lot of my students I've had hundreds of students over the past I've been a teacher for four years I've been doing pole and aerial for nine and I've been dancing for 20 and so what I have found is the majority of my students that stick with aerial movement uh, seem to tend to lean a little bit more towards the type a personality because it never gets easier Mm-hmm. It, it truly never gets easier you just get stronger mm-hmm. and you get used to dealing with that and so um, that takes a, that doesn't appeal to everybody. That takes a certain kind of person because you have to be very uh, into beating your body up and hurting a lot. And I am so. Um, yeah. Let's make it count. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where you know when you think about how 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 you know I'm a I'm a chubby curvy girl, and so uh, if I were to have to step outside of my body and pick myself up, that's that's a lot of weight. I'm, I'm a heavy mm-hmm. person. So you're essentially trying to take beautiful, powerful movement, put sexuality, if you're that type of mover, because not everybody that polls expresses in that way, but I am a person that's very sexually expressive when I move. You're taking 
two completely different powerful things. You know, sexuality, and especially when you're expressing your sexuality from a space of power and knowing where you come from with that. And then you're putting that with something that's athletically challenging. And then you're having to make it look beautiful and graceful. Um, I've never worked so hard to make something look so pretty. I guess mm-hmm. because I wanted to, you know, as a, somebody that does fire flow, I'm not going to say fire flow is easy. I had to learn how to be a fire performer. I do fire staff, fire poi, all that stuff. And once I found my flow, I can kind of surrender to this. I've yet to find that moment with pole. It's constantly challenging me. It's hard. It's just hard. And so when I can go out there and find that am- amount of flow that I find with my other movement, you know, styles, and then do that with something that's making me hold my heavy body up. It's the best feeling in the fucking world. It truly is the best feeling in the world when you can hold your own body weight up and make those kind. Of, and it doesn't really fucking matter at that point what people, how they're receiving you. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm doing this thing. I'm lifting my body up and I'm looking pretty fucking sexy while I'm doing it. And I feel pretty great about it. So. What dance did you start out with? I started out doing a folkloric movement. I was a belly dancer and I did a lot of like Northwest African folkloric movement. And then I got into uh, prop dancing with belly dance folkloric movement. And so I danced with swords specifically, like real live swords. Some some people use dance swords. I used a real Turkish scimitar that I had to have dulled. I actually got stitches mm-hmm. from it. It was so sharp mm-hmm. at one point in my life. And that was the majority of my background. And then I started doing more exotic movement and then got into pole dance. And when I started doing pole dancing uh, and become a teacher I started producing my own exotic movement shows which I haven't done since COVID because COVID changed everything for everybody (laughs) very into the flow arts I'm not any good at the flow arts you know but I'm very into them I love it I've always loved dancing but I've never thought I was good at dancing you know what I mean like I see in my head Elaine Boozler (laughs) when I'm dancing that's crazy (laughs) <laughs> Elaine Bennis, you mean? Elaine Boozer was a oh, comedian. Comic. Yeah. yeah, girl. Bennis. I, you Elaine know, I don't Bennis. know your damn TV <laughs> trivia. You would be my phone a friend if I, for sure, on all things. I do TV. know a lot of useless information you about TV be, and I movies. Like, oh my gosh, and I'm yes. so happy that you get a lot of what I'm spelling yeah, out here references. right now. Same. I feel like I've always been. I was a cheerleading coach. I always feel like I would have been a director. Like, I can see it. I can see the movement. I can see what I want to do. When I create an act, I've already got it in my head of what it's going to be. The My fail, though, is the execution of it. When I look at myself, I'm like, oh, man, that is not good. That's not good, Jen. It's not good. It's not, it's not your vision. And it just tears me to pieces. Oh, wow. Because... I I don't think that I'm a good dancer. I don't think I, don't, I am either. I mean, honestly, I'm really, I mean, you should come see me sometime. You'll see I'm not the greatest dancer in the world, but I think where you and I differ in that regard is I'm not a storyteller in my movement. And it's so interesting. Yeah, we talked that about that a little my bit. My dance coaches yeah. are all like, but you, you're a writer and you tell stories, but I'm mm-hmm. like, that's different. Not in my movement. I literally just want to show up and throw it the fuck down on the floor and be done with it. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if you don't get my story. I just want to surrender and show you what that looks like. You know, me giving myself fully to this sensual movement that I'm trying to do and leave. 
And that's been a deficit for me in the performance art community because I just don't, I, I'm just someone that kind of bears my soul and that's it. And there's not much extra, you know, there's not like really cute storylines and fucking clever lines, you know, at yeah. the beginning, like, here I am, shake my butt. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> it, it's just a different art form, right. you know, in burlesque, you. No, you, we haven't. The first question well. is, what story are you trying to tell? Oh yeah. How does how does ta- how does taking your clothes off convey into this story? And that's the main that's the main thing there. Cuz we do it every single day. Yeah. Every day we take our clothes off. So why not do it sexily? Why not do it sexily? Why not sometimes I don't sexily. Mine is a comedic effort, but <laughs> putting them on can be that way too i'm interested now rather than the pain of it all flexibility oh yeah like i don't want to be a stove up old lady and i still want to do the young people things when i'm an old lady so so you do it every day uh yeah for the most part i teach twice a week but i train I, i train not every day probably five four to five days a week just because I am older and um, it's interesting because some of the some of my students can train every day all day long and be fine because they're 20 and they're 12 and their bodies or whatever. Um, I, that was the one thing I also had to learn with aerial and gymnastics is, I'm, I, you know, I, I didn't start that particular stuff until I was in my 30s and my body just doesn't recover like young folks do. And so even if I had the energy to train more, my body was like, no, you know, and so I have to kind of know where my limits are with all of that stuff. Yeah, I think that'll always be just that. Oh, that'd be cool to learn to do, but probably won't ever ask that. <laughs> and honestly, Lyra, it's interesting, the aerial hoop, it's harder than mm-hmm. pole. And a lot of folks are like, I want to do the hoop. And I'm like, it actually hurts way, way worse. Yeah, because mm-hmm. all the pressure of your whole you body can't get away from it. Yeah. is on there. Everything on that, that you do. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool looking. And I think, you know, I got enough groove in my booty to kind of hold me on there. If oh, I'm yeah. Sitting on it. If you got a nice shelf. A yeah. little bubble butt. You're, oh, I have a big time bubble you're butt. You're pretty good so. at hanging upside down on a hoop. You could. I mean, I could snap that thing, clap that thing. You could. Make it <laughs> shake. If make, I can do it, it you can do it. Yeah. You can do you it. Know, but it's all yeah. butt. It's all butt. <laughs> it's all butt. It's all butt. Do you put pads underneath that, Lyra? I took Lyra at... Uh, I think it was Dragonfly, Dragonfly. Mm-hmm. yeah, with the silks. So I will they- tell you the difference between us and, and circus performances. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in circus aerial studios, your apparatuses are going to be a lot higher. Ours mm-hmm. are ours are lower to the ground. And so we have mats for everyone's safety, should oh, they good. choose that, should they choose that. But the way that our curriculum is built is a little bit different than kind of the circus aerial approach. So uh, both are hard, both are challenging. It's just one's a little closer to the ground and, and has a different safety. Yeah, which is not a bad deal if you're older or larger because it's going to be terrible. Oh, I know. Trust me. When I'm climbing up 14 feet, about eight feet up, I'm like, I'm very aware of how heavy. (laughs) Have you done hooping at all? Yes. Hoops. Have you ever done the large metal hoop? are you? T- uh, depends I on what you're I don't know about. what it's called, but there was a performer from Nashville that she came to the Smoky Mountain Burlesque Festival, and uh, she had this very, very large metal hoop 
that she did a dance did she a dance stood suit. inside of it yes and it was it's gorgeous a, i think a seer or <gasps> see, see, something c-y-r yeah. or something like that mm-hmm. you're right um, you're right i know people that do it so it's a beautiful art form it's yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it's just i'm not into it you know but uh it is beautiful it's very different i think you're just i'm the type of person and this is like with aerial silks and circus as well um there are certain aerial apparatus apparatuses where it's you climb 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 and pose and roll down and pose and fly over here and pose and so i love more there's not much sensuality to that movement flow yeah Yeah. i need to be able to touch my body when i'm when i'm dancing (laughs) why is that because I love to touch my body when I do. <laughs> it also connects me to what I'm trying to do. And uh, I very much am a, I, I'm a toucher. That's my love language as well. So I feel like when I'm expressing, you know, sacred movement. I feel that way too. But I've had to learn in burlesque due to the blue laws mm. and where we perform in touch that, you know, you can't touch your breast. Right. You have to go underneath. You can't touch your ass. You can't smack your ass. You can't. If it's sexual at all, which is so fucking funny to me, you can't do it. Right. Can't, you definitely can't touch your crotch. Right. At all. Unless there's no alcohol. Unless there's no alcohol. Which is and why then I perform at yoga you studios. And that's why I'm happy that we're doing things in a sober space now. So I can be a little Same. more yeah. sensual and really a little more nasty and a little more true to the character that I'm trying to portray. Right. Here. It just gives a little more authenticity with that. But I'm having to learn all that again, because before it was drilled into me, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. The venue could get fined. And then, you know, right. then we're out of the venue. Right. And right. then you're out of the truth. We used you to know, do or, our pole studios at like the Bowery and different places. When, yeah. I know y'all kind of went through the same kind of. And same thing, you know, our students, before we'd come, have them come out on stage, we would do the costume check, make sure everybody had pasties underneath their costumes and have to go mm-hmm. through that whole thing. And so when we started doing our uh, studio shows and our studio and then my shows are separate, I would do them in yoga studios that I would rent out. It was for that very reason. I didn't want to be limited and I love to touch myself. And so uh, if I want to touch my nipples, then I'm going to touch my nipples. Yeah, it's so point archaic and yeah. just... It's crazy. I, I just had an idea pop in my, my head, crotch, though. I know the perfect place where you could do your shows. The perfect place. Mm. Mm. And she's been on the show before. Lady Katie Sapphire. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They have an amazing space. And I know that uh, I know a lot of people would appreciate that kind of art oh, yeah. there. Hook us so, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. There. Okay, what else? I got my. I'm a little hmm. too high. What are we talking about? Let's talk about what our favorite colors are. <laughs> we were talking about this the <laughs> other day. We have a lot of the same favorite colors. Do you do? Um, <laughs> is there a, there is a thing with color and such? Mm-hmm. I was watching this YouTube video last night of they were doing these thought experiments, and one experiment was, um. A blank room a child has grown up not knowing what color is so everything in that room is black and white everything down to hair skin tone don't ask me how they could do the skin tone i don't know but never known color and the books the only thing that they have to entertain are books and research papers 
talking about color and what certain colors mean and what certain colors are on a frequency and such. But this person has never seen color before. And then the experiment is you keep them like that for 20 years and then you introduce them to color. And then how does color, how does that differ in a person and I don't know, Sounds frightening, right? It sounds it, it, like an yeah. abuse of sci-fi yeah. movie. Yeah, I'm kind of sad. Yeah, I feel like I need to know who this person is and rescue. Yeah, them. there were other experiments too, but is how mescaline? Just, do we have? Do we get to take mescaline on this experience? <laughs> but just how color, I guess, is just and so important to brain activity and your life and. You know, yeah. how important color is. I don't know. They should just study colorblind people. Hmm? It's a thought experiment. It's not for reals. Oh. <laughs> well, there was another one too. There of, are many people, scientists, of, who've done some cruel You've kept shit. somebody in isolation for 20 mm-hmm. years. In total isolation. People have done you that. You get food from like a feeding tube and food and water and That's everything. insane. How do yeah. you sign up for this shit? Right. And so you're isolated for 20 years. One day, a woman or a person slips a piece of paper under the door in a language that you don't understand, but you have the books, you have books in that language to teach you what that language is and you can correspond to that person. But it's just like you're craving social interaction so much that you will do anything and you will say anything write anything in order to get that interaction back because you don't know when you're going to get it again hmm. it's freaky that's the stuff i watch and well, I mean, you, know, you know stuff i read and mildly interested uh, <laughs> <laughs> they all can't be winners well. folks <laughs> well it just sounds like an episode of night gallery remember that yeah cold check there's only 38 original plots in the entire world mm-hmm. and everything is made out of those 38 original plots yeah <laughs> i've wrote them all i'm just yeah. kidding i'm kidding i've lived them what made you want to write a book honestly since you do all of these things oh is this something that you've wanted to do for a really long time and now this is the time to do it honestly i've wrote poetry my whole life and um, I was, you know, of a certain age where I grew up in the 90s. And so I would go to poetry, you know, coffee shops. Did you write fan fiction? And, uh, I did not write fan fiction. I was not a fan fiction girl. Um, I got into a different space with fan fiction. That's a whole different story for a different time. But poetry, I was very forlorn in my Cure t-shirt with my cigarettes and my uh, <laughs> mocha, mocha cabbage, some kind of sugary ass shit that was not good for you. Um, thinking that I was the next, I don't know, uh, Leonard Cohen or something (laughs) up there, (laughs) which I was not. Um, And it was always a hobby for me. I've always been a person that's been incredibly creative. My brother is an artist here in town. He's in a band and he paints and my dad sings and my mom plays guitar. So we're we're from a very kind of creative family. But um, school was incredibly, well, school was fucking terrible for me. And um I did not do well in school. School was not a good environment for me. And so I always felt like I was too stupid to write a book. And so I pursued movement in my artistry and mixed media artistry. So I do a lot of mixed media, like collage and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, one day, my dad, who, you know, my dad worked a lot when I was growing up, and, you know, we, we were 80s kids that kind of raised ourselves and that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. he read this thing I had put on Facebook about buskers and how the importance of honoring the space of street buskers. Don't ask me why. I was feeling really passionate about that <laughs> that day. <laughs> That's and awesome. my dad, who who hadn't really had, you know, a whole lot to say about my artistry up until that point, was like, I really feel like you're an amazing writer. And I hate to be like cheesy, but like it literally changed. It, I, I had waited my whole life, I guess, to hear something like yeah. that from him. And so you got the go. Had I heard that from anyone else, it would not have mattered. But when he said that. Um, something happened internally in me spiritually and I just opened myself up and and then this is a whole different story but the story came through and and that was it that's kind of and and then I knew you know I've always written I just never thought I was good enough to do it seriously and and then the book just kind of it came out and and the whole story came out and now I have an outline for five books for the whole series that I'm super excited and my only concern, if I could speak a fear that I have, I, my only fear is book one does a whole lot of setting up. Mm-hmm. As it so, has to. And so I'm like, I hope people really hang in there to see kind of the magnificence of where it's going beyond. Because it was it meant so much to me that I, I struggled with that because I wanted to make it more of a relevant kind of short story, quick plot, easy, consumable kind of story. But it's it's complex and there's lots of things that she's going to have to go through and I had to come to peace with the fact that you know kind of that whole thing of commercialism versus the integrity of your Mm -hmm. art and and you do have to find that middle ground you You know know, but don't you think like the D&D crowd's gonna love it I fucking hope so because I'm a and d girl see I mean like literally all I I mean, look how well magic cards sell, and you know, if all the I mean, D&D if and they Magic love the Gathering it, fans could buy my book, they would love that. Well, show. yeah, and you know, let's network and cross network with those type of people. We can. Can I that. ask how much sex is in it? So, okay, so here's the thing with the sex: it's not a romance novel. So mm-hmm. not to like, but there uh, it doesn't. Sex is, however, definitely doesn't have to be romantic. However, I was it had sex there magic is in there it. is sex magic in the first book, and there's more as the series goes. So you only get one, and you get a few sexual encounters. Okay, so my main character <laughs> has three different partners. Okay, and you get to kind of understand those relationships of how they individually stand which is something else that i'm eager to see in my book because i feel like we don't see that Mm -hmm. a lot different relationships kind of functioning in that capacity um but um there is a sex divination ritual with the devil that my main character has and so um is it going to be the he puts his throbbing penis in her wet vagina and she gets really excited and her clothes fall. So it's not that. I mean, you know, there's there's not. I love that. I love I'm a smut reader. I do love that. It's not that there is sacred sexuality. And the first sexual encounter that I love in the book with her first partner, uh, you really kind of understand their intimacy based on how they all have sex with each other. And so. Her first partner, you you will see, and this is not really giving any, anything away, they're really kind of there to release each other's needs more than mm-hmm. they're there kind of for each other. And they become mm-hmm. something that 
is incredibly healing for themselves on an individual level, but it doesn't really do anything to sustain coupleship. And I feel like that that's something that people can relate to because Mm -hmm. these are people that uh, my characters are not uh, incredibly sexually advanced on their journey. They're just trying to kind of figure out where intimately they fit in with each other. And I feel like present company excluded a lot of the normal i know y'all are freaks but the northern the the normal (laughs) folks don't really have that reach and so Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that this will also provide an opportunity for people to see that relationships can be different things you know uh going back to writing erotic fan fiction um were you a literotica girl do you know what literotica is i don't know what that is oh man do you know what that is? I do very okay, much. Okay, so know back what it is. in the early '90s, or or, or yeah, well, I guess mid '90s or so, when AOL and everything, I think they still have a site, you know, where yeah, people, people can go and, and submit add stuff. stories all the time. Oh, like the stuff like in, in Playboy, like the yeah, li- the, but yeah, yeah well, but like, like uh, Fet Life, some they well, have like all Penthouse sorts of forum. things. Yeah, you know, they would uh, you'd have people that would write stories. Okay, yeah. so yes, I'm stuff, familiar with, and you that. could choose like whatever genre of sex you yeah, were into and uh locker yeah, like, room, room gangbangs yeah so, my yeah, favorite you, thing yes exactly about that sure yeah. yeah my favorite thing was the forum though that that came with it and you know <laughs> that people, sounds amazing yeah people would talk about their books or you know uh that's when self-publishing was um it was still underground but it was Just it was starting out yeah uh, the internet changed that a lot mm-hmm. for people. Yeah, and, I laugh because you know Alex Stokes. Yeah, I've got like four of his books here that he's published himself. Well, that's great. I just find it interesting. Yeah. Well, so when are you published. gonna write yours? Yeah, write a book. Yeah, do it. What would that be about? <laughs> nothing. A book about nothing. I don't know. You've got some pretty interesting stories. I've a lot of weird shit. I have done a lot of weird shit. Oh, I'm just a weird there, ass there person. You, there you go. <laughs> That's the name of your book. Weird ass person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there you go. So. But it was, it was, Literotic was great. I don't, I love reading erotic smut mm. in a, my latest yeah, thing I've is uh, especially uh, to read a lot of fairy, fairy porn right now. Oh, fairy? Yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, and fun. Some new adult fiction. This is stuff that I don't normally wear, uh, read, but I was reading with one of my students and I, I had to kind of come to terms with, I was like, oh shit, I'm one of these people that's like shame reading some like stuff and I shouldn't be that way. I should be very happy with what I'm reading right now, but it, it was a genre I don't normally read, but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of dragons fucking minotaurs and shit oh, like wow, that happening. Yeah. So I was, I'm into it a bit. I, listen, I thought I never would yeah. be, but I read it. Yeah. And when he was hoarding his gold and getting really like aggressive, I got a little turned on by that. So yeah, the dragon, <laughs> yes, hoarding his gold. please hoard this gold dragon. Right? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, that sexy reptile. That's a whole conversation right there. It's you know, we're not thing. supposed so to, we're not supposed not that, they but that we're that not supposed to like too. aggression anymore. We're not supposed to like oh my God, um, aggression in sex <gasps> and, you know, and a you man, a man okay, over so you, let me just the tell man's you, weight I will, upon I will you. We're not supposed to like that listen, anymore. This book that I'm reading in particular... Uh, I'm I'm old, okay. So so the, you're not older I'm than us. You're the baby you're in listen, here. I'm older. But all like, 
the yeah. the social media generation and the people that I'm having to kind of interact with in terms of like books and yes, you know, yeah, gotcha. yeah. So I'm definitely yeah. their mama. You yeah, know? yeah. I, whether you like it or not, um, and that's it's interesting to I'm, me how how you know what I'm reading is a bully romance and like the triggers are there. Um, it says that that's what it is, and people are like to that kind of to your point. There's aggression mm-hmm. in there. Um, it's it's not you know rapey um it's just you know really kind of almost uh playgroundish like i don't like you you're a, you're this you're a bitch and then all of a sudden no oh, we're fucking on the car and we yeah. love each other you know <laughs> and so um it's interesting to me because there's this aggression in there it's it's fiction y'all it, it it's a story mm-hmm. but you know growing up i mean that's a lot of how yeah, but not like, necessarily. If I'm the married to Stan, who, part, who's but... the choir director, that's not into that shit. Um, at least I have because I've read this story. Right. Some kind of frame of reference of some shit maybe I'm into, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a safe way for people to kind of look at narrative, and, and right. find a way to safely explore about that. It. Right. But like, it's interesting to me how the younger generation. Uh, in my experience with that specifically are just like you know we need to be very careful about women losing their space sexually when they're allowing this aggress and I'm like Mm -hmm. listen do you know me do I look like I've lost my power because I've let so and so like tie me up and And, and that's when you go oh honey you know who has the real power right Right. Right. clearly we've not not dabbled in this world enough so and that's why people, when they're researching sex and it, they really need to dive in and just into the basics of kink and why people like sure. those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, it's not for everybody. I just think, you know, okay. like today in the today's age when we're triggered by artist comedians or mm-hmm. stories or whatever, we have to just remember that there's there you know art is art and sometimes when you sit yourself in a certain environment there's a possibility that that certain things are going to come from that and so how we choose to react to that i think we should be a little more thoughtful um and yeah that. i've found usually you know i said this earlier today but if you can get through the offense i mean literally usually there's a blessing or a rainbow or something you know all right on the other side maybe not always but in an artist usually there's something you know to it it isn't just right getting over the offense is a sign of growth yeah not dwelling within that offense Mm -hmm. right 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 right. you should be we're all going to be offended we have to learn how to deal with that again and I am, like I said, I'm just as bad at handing everybody a participation trophy for doing mediocre jobs. But at the same time, if nobody's ever getting encouragement, when should you or whatever? It's balance, just like everything else, though. I think that the simple spiritual experience in this world is about finding that balance Mm -hmm. with your unique experience here. And that accountability doesn't come with like the encouragement that can come from other people. It's really, you know what we can do for ourselves and if we can get that encouragement from other people sure that's that's great that's an added bonus but um we have to equip ourselves i think to be a little bit uh i don't want to say less sensitive because i think that there are things that definitely deserve our attention and our awareness but um i think ego gets in the way of a lot of those conversations and really mm-hmm. what are we talking about when it's mm-hmm. all done at the end of the day have are we really just talking about you and your uncomfortability or the actual thing that was said because I feel like that's what's 
Yeah. Have y'all watched uh, Human Resources yet on Netflix? It's the Big Mouth spinoff. We started to watch that earlier, okay. but then we started well, talking. Then, well, then we won't talk about it too much, but I do encourage people to watch it because it does have, you know, different people do different things as far as there's a love bug and there's a logic person and mm-hmm. and just how all those shame and shame and how the mosquito the anxiety, anxiety mosquito, mosquito the and ambition gremlin depression kitty i was a little disappointed that jean smart was not in this one uh in this she's particular doing one hacks now though yeah. so she probably but it's they just they nail it as far as emotions and dealing with people and how do you deal with love and nick kroll's and they, super underestimated yeah. but i know that he got in a lot of trouble with john mulaney and all that for the big mouth so i don't know are they still how doing so? big how, mouth yeah how did they get in trouble because i don't know people had a lot how, to say how kids puberty you know, how kids probably actually are mm-hmm. you know in school yeah, I don't yeah. know. I didn't write the article. I just read it. You know, BuzzFeed knows everything. Yeah, yeah. I just read the article. I think that it's hilarious, but I'm a comic and it's fucking funny. And I think a lot of stuff is funny. So maybe I'm a hat comic too, but I don't I care. think that's how you get through life is through humor. I mean, right. I care. I don't think I'm that I mean, happy. if you had to, if you were freaking sad all the time, what would happen? You have to be able to laugh about shit that's super tragic or you will go insane. It's not. Yeah. What's what's the point? I mean, you're just reminded about the constant shit that's going to come up and tear you down anyway. And if we can't laugh about it, then there's no point in even just right, playing like, the game, really. It doesn't mean that we're insensitive right. to anything. It's just that's how I personally that's how I deal with my trauma is through humor. Yeah. And then I mean. Granted, people don't, some people don't know how to kid, you know, they really don't. It's like, oh yeah, that's just mean. That's just not funny. My husband is one of them. But you just look at them and don't laugh and eventually they'll get the the idea. Don't be polite about it. Just don't laugh at them. So, you know, later you can. Then you can literally laugh at them, just be as bad as they are and keep that karma circle going. What's your favorite kind of magic? Oh my god, my favorite kind of magic. Um jeez. I've never been asked that question. I'm asking the hard one. Be a favorite. I mean, I think mm. there could be when we look at the different types of magic. Um I would say dream magic is probably my favorite magic. Just because I feel like... Tell me what that is. So, anything that can happen in the space of dreams, whether it's astral projection, if you're leaving your body and you're working with that kind of thing, or if you're an intuitive dreamer and you get messages through your dreams, um, that is not my primary specialty of how I connect with spirit. But what I love about it is I feel like my ego is less present in that world. And so... You know, we're all human beings, and if I'm reading cards for you, and there are a lot of people that are just like, you know, I'm just, my ego doesn't get in my way. I mean, I'm human. I mean, I'm going to try really hard to not let my ego get in the way, but it, I, I'm human, so I'm mm-hmm. not trying to procla- proclaim to be some kind of immortal, I fucking wish, goddess <laughs> right. of some sort, but... um And so I just, 
um, dreams for me, I feel like, you know, you, you, the experience is very reflective after the fact. So there's no, there's no, there's no forethought there where you can kind of plan to get in the way of yourself. Do you keep Mm -hmm. a dream journal i used to but not now that i'm right now that i'm writing more you know you you were talking about the artist way when we had met recently and i have a group of friends right now that are working that program uh they're just a little private group of people is it the same group of friends that i'm in it could be i don't fucking know because i'm not participating in it i'm just going to be that person that's like kind Mm -hmm. of looking half ass and not really saying anything right now there's a lot of writing and was it made by no Oh, it's not well. That's where our that's little very group is. Fascinating, Isn't that though? weird? Because yes. we have a little itty bitty group. I do love her, by the way. Yeah, um, but no, that's not the same group. This oh. is a different group of folks. Yeah. Um, Are there comics in this group? No. I wish. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I love this group. If you're listening, I love mm-hmm. you. Um, I have found some of the language to be interesting, which I know that we can put our own language to it. You know, in terms of how we identify source and that kind of thing. I write a lot. And so I feel like this is just maybe not a good fit for me right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. something that I could visit at a different time in my life. But I'm not relating to kind of some of the content as it goes so Mm -hmm. far, I think. so. Do you interpret others' dreams or just your... I do. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Like I said, that's not my primary you know thing mm-hmm. uh but uh my mother-in-law my husband's mom she's a dreamer you know my grandmother was a dreamer uh symbolism is something that just as a divination artist that i'm kind of up on and so i'm a huge fan of saint Teresa of avila i think we talked about this like the night that i met you and and she also was really committed to dream space and how uh, your interior castle you know all of that stuff you have access in your subconscious mind to your spiritual experience and we were talking about religion at the beginning of this uh conversation but i loved that she was very much in alignment with kind of the way that i see it religion is a very external experience in this world it's something that we have with community and spiritualism is a very internal experience mm-hmm. and that led to her decanonization from the church because as you know in catholicism you're, you can't really be pro individual mm-hmm. experience with god right so uh, but her student, St. John of the Cross, and, 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 and I thought, you know, very interestingly enough, Dolly was very influenced by their works as well. But she talked a lot about dreams and the interior castle and the dark night of the soul and how the subconscious mind has this ability, much like me as a reader, to take what you know intellectually and what kind of spirit or divine is trying to put through you and kind of bring those worlds together to empower you to kind of pull out whatever story spirit's trying to tell you. And so what I love about dream magic is it has that extra accountability there. Like, sure, you can look it up just like everything else, but you still have to apply how that fits into your life right. and what that means to you. And so I love that the ego of that application comes after the fact when it's already happened, as opposed to when mm-hmm. I'm doing divination, I'm present to that moment. Mm-hmm. So I haven't dreamed in a long time. I had night terrors forever forever as a kid and uh still do to a degree but the honestly the marijuana helps with that because it it suppresses dream dreaming uh, but every once in a while it's usually if i go back to sleep in the morning mm-hmm. you know i'll have a a good little dream of something the nightmare that is reoccurring is 
I'm in a place and I really need to call somebody. I really, there's an emergency and I cannot press the buttons on the phone. If that makes sense. So I don't know what that is. I used to have a lot of dreams about loss, you know, couldn't find my keys, couldn't find my kids, couldn't find my car, you know, things like that. I think what's interesting, like just based on what you just said and everything that you've mentioned, there's a sense of you not having power in all those situations. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. 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 And that, that stems from childhood. And I'm just now in the last half of my life finally realizing the power that I do have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, you know, especially if you smoke, if you smoke a lot of pot, I mean, uh, I'm a person that Mm. smokes weed. Uh, Everybody that knows me knows that I do try to actively not do it as late because I do, especially if I need to dream. Um, Yeah. So I think that it's important to kind of, if that's something that you're trying to empower yourself or set yourself up for, uh, I do have a harder time falling to falling asleep, you know, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but um, there's so much magic there. And I will tell you, I've witnessed enough things in my life from a healing standpoint um, to believe in magic and to believe in spiritualism. I don't really need to preach that to anybody. My own experiences have proven that to me time and time again. My dreams have been so amazing in my lifetime. That's what drove it home for me. And the way that I dream, much like when I do psychedelics, same kind of experience, I go deep and reach to a very creative space. And uh, to me, that is God. That's my experience mm-hmm. of God, is that kind of that creative cosmic, mm-hmm. you know, majesty. Um, and, and that, you know, back to your question uh that's why that magic is so important to me because i'm reaching a space that um i feel like it takes a lot of effort otherwise consciously to get to those things are just not studied enough not at all not at all i Mm. wish that we all had access to psychedelic therapy i would be the first person in line Mm. to regularly do that i've recreationally experimented enough with psychedelics to understand uh, the extreme benefits of that and mm-hmm. also the deficits too I'm kind of right? hoping since Oregon has been progressive enough to decriminalize all that that more studies would be uh, they'd be able to do more even though it is still federally you can't do that um, right. but that's my hope that maybe there's some underground scientists out there I'm doing get, some like, safe super fucking conspiratorial oh like, yeah oh. Uh, girl do you know where you are listen I believe that the government doesn't want that for us they don't well, absolutely that's they why don't. that and, and marijuana is class one we can't mm-hmm. be empowered to be that free thinking uh, that um, in a space to where we can actually make huge change, you know, if we had that kind of resource and empowerment. They, you have all the documents at your fingertips right now to create free energy. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of it. Sure. They want, they want all of that suppressed. They don't. Sure. And no. what, what, what makes me wonder, or what I, what I think about as somebody that, you know, let's just face it, um, as creative and as open as I've been my entire life, like in the 80s and 90s, conspiracy theory people were crazy people. And I mm-hmm. was still and I was still fairly open. So I would not call myself someone that's been on that train my whole life. If anything, I've kind of had it at arm's length. My husband's super into like 9-11. He was all into all the conspiracies and all that <laughs> stuff. And I just didn't give, I mean, not that I didn't give a shit about it, but I was just like, I can only control what I can control. You can only right. spend so much energy into something. But now it just goes to such a direction 
reason like when you think about like the things right down from religious documentation or money and how money communicates in this world and the source of where that flows from uh, what actually controls the spiritual experience in this world and it is not a spiritual entity it's government and politics Mm -hmm. historically Um, and then you have these slaves that are doing nothing but keeping the rich folk rich I mean there comes a point where um a lot of us are waking up to this awareness that this is fucked and like we're too smart for this shit. And so I hope to fucking God I'm around when the time happens when people just kind of say, hey, enough's enough. I, I believe I have the tools to like make a change in this world. I don't think it's going to probably happen in my lifetime. But it Are would you be talking cool. anarchy? Let's, let's, oh, let's start a rebellion. You're a girl after my own heart. Listen, I'm not trying to start the rebellion, but by God, I will, I will <laughs> Me jump either. in. either. I don't have time right now. I will jump in it. If you start it, I will buy the, I will buy the team jacket is what I'll do. So many things going on. I'll buy a sticker from you. I'll put it on my car. I'll be your soccer mom. I'm just kidding. What do we need to do to promote this book and to make you like the biggest celebrity that we know? We'll be like 10 years later. We're like, you've done your, hopefully you've done like your 14th book in a you know in another series oh or something I'm in, Morocco, or the, I'm in Morocco with right like and we're like and will you remember us will you go you know back when I did my first book I'm gonna be I did this little podcast or something she's yeah. gonna need me around like a court just jester. be my entourage you yeah know I want to be able to be oh, I, I that. roll x amount deep I want yeah. to roll deep with yeah. my homies so I guess I have, have to be on the road with her and if you could just her. be that person that says she doesn't have time for this right now. oh yeah I would love to <laughs> I would love to especially if I can dress up like the favorite Sanderson sister <gasps> yes can we all just do that be like can we all do that no, like it'll just be the low-key uniform what do they call that when you low-key cosplay like LARPing is it a LARP? Well, LARP, LARP. Is that more committed? Yeah, LARPing is yeah, a little very more committed. committed. You know, it's extreme committed, but like Tennessee Renaissance on the weekend is it like, festival. I don't know. Is there's, it like bounding? Is that what is it that is? What like Din- Disney? Yeah. There's like a Disney bounding oh, yes. where you just kind of dress bounding. in the colors. Bounding name for this? Yes. yes, that's what I'm trying to figure yeah. out the name for. I, I think this. she's right. I, you know, because of course it would be television or something related. Bounding hey, entertainment. You need this. You need I, this knowledge. I do need this <laughs> knowledge because I have an outfit that makes me kind of look like I'm trying to cosplay merida from brave or whatever you know and then there's other things but that's what i'm saying like i would do my space buns like winifred and just wear like purple and green and so you're gonna cosplay my book tiny lips is that what you're saying is that is that your character what she looks like i would love for you to but no i'm just gonna go with you dress like that and i'd have to have on a flowy something and my Endora robe, and then just be like, she doesn't have. I time can't for wait this. to read the interpretation of what Mercy looks my like. Yeah, what I, does Mercy look like? So Do you have her. She basically is just uh, a an brunette average. with beautiful brown she eyes. She looks like me. I mean, let's just yeah. put it out there because uh, I was <laughs> self-reflecting a bit. But her eyes are silver, and there's a reason for that. Oh, and so cool. there's a process where she's she's going through this kind of transmutation where she's becoming, she's three different versions of herself, and you'll come to know all these versions throughout the book. 
Um, but I go through the actual like al- alchemical process of going from mercury to silver to all of that. As she's traveling through space, she's going through these different kind of things to become this this. Yeah, because she's not human. Right. You have already right. stated yeah. and then, like and five then, times. And then, and then, <laughs> and then she's something even more that you don't find out like really in the first book. Like I totally love this already. I love comic books. I and, love fantasy and science. And honestly, fiction. I'm a Marvel. I'm a Marvel kid. My dad is a huge like DC Marvel comic. You know, I'm totally more Marvel than DC. Let's just put that on record. Um, but I like both. I guess. Um, it's very much world building in that regard. Yeah. And so I hope that people that are into following really cool characters and uh, non-traditional kind of spiritual content and things that are loosely comparative to maybe some loose conspiracy theories of the evil in the world. Well, I mean, this is what she looks like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. She kind of reminds me of um, what's her face from The Witcher with the purple eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally forgot her name, but I totally forgot. Starts with a J. Gosh, dang it. Okay. I know, but I can't. I'm in your brain and I I know what you're talking about, and that's all that matters. There's so many. Did you do your cover, your illustration? So that's a great, that's actually a fucking great story. My uh, illustrator. um, I had someone that was working at my publishing company at the time. She's unfortunately not with us anymore. Um, She. I, she knew that I wanted the book illustrated. And so that's not a popular thing to do because my book mm-hmm. is not a graphic novel. And so a lot of people in the industry are like, you don't want to do that because you just don't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, when I, when the vision came through, when Muse spoke to me, these were very specific images. And so just so you know, the very first image uh, was inspired from a past life regression that I actually went through on a personal level. And so when I when this when this story came through, it kind of started at that point and I wanted that image in the book. And so this person says, I know you love tarot cards. Do you know the these particular tarot decks? Knights and tarot deck, the Santa Muerta tarot deck, um the Goetia tarot deck, all these tarot decks. And I'm like, oh yes, I love this tarot deck. And she's like, well this this man, Fabio Lestrani um, I think I might be able to reach out to him and see if he's available. And so we're all like, yeah, right. This fucking guy's not going to be able to do this. I, at the time, had no idea that he worked for Marvel Comics. I just thought he worked for Llewellyn and Los Cabrera, which is like, you know, as we know, the witchy publishing companies in Europe. And, and, and so I, and then I find out, you know, he illustrates for Marvel Comics and he has his own comic book and he's in a stoner doom death metal band in Europe that's fairly <laughs> well known. And I'm like, this motherfucker is going to be like, no way. So we got to talking and our spiritual alignment was very, um, similar and i told him about the story and he was like i'm into it he was Uh. like if you will let me do the whole series i would love to offer you know a handful of of illustrations for it and so um my publishing company i will say paid more for that than most anything but like it was really important to me to have you know his contribution there and so um that's how that come together. That's so and cool. Pe- a lot of people are still kind of like, I can't believe you put, you know, people don't do that. And I'm just like, well, 
who gives a shit you know it's like six it illustrations matter what people do or don't honestly do. I like i understand that some people want to envision their own world and care i'm that person too when i read but as you've seen the illustration it's done in such a way that you can still kind of have your own image because it's 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 his styling it's in that graphic novel mm-hmm. kind of styling so you can still have your own you know imagery of what that looks like so i think it's super cool i mean didn't you read tolkien and love the maps oh, Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, any background story, I don't know, Tad Williams and Dragon Bone Trayer, I think he had some pretty cool illustrations in there. And then I wish they'd do the Dragonlance Chronicles. I wish, you know, they would see Everybody CGI. loves illustrations in a book. Everybody. Except well, for the pretentious book club people. Online. Yeah, oh, when you're know. a novel, when you're a novelist. Why or... is that? Because it's not a graphic novel, East. That's not what it is. I'm like, who gives a shit? I mean, like, for me, it is. It's gonna mm-hmm. be. It'll be fine. People are people are crazy. God, people yeah. gotta have something to bitch about. Everybody has a rule. Okay, mm-hmm. I've learned that, and it's no different in any community <laughs> I've been in so far. Yeah. So <laughs> it continues to show its ugly head in this community as well. So all of them, you just gotta be like, yeah, all right, whatever. I loved because I'm always that person that's like, okay, and I just do it anyway. So right, I'm not much of a rule person. I mean, I'm going to honor your rules, but like if Muse is coming through, you better believe that that bitch is a lot more important and divine than your fucking mm-hmm. rule. And I'm going to listen to her before I listen. You know, I'm not just going to come out in my ego and proclaim I'm the best thing since sliced bread. But like if it's my art and it came from some a divine space, like mm-hmm. you're not fucking touching that. It's going to be what it's going to be. And if it's if it and if it causes a consequence that I have to pay for, then that's sometimes that happens, that. too. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But James. Okay, so where can people find your book? So what you can do is you can go to um, my website, theartisteast.com. And there's also Augury's and Alchemy Publishing Company. And you can do find the pre-link there. And then it'll be available on Amazon and local book places, local stores here in June. So pre-sale now, Amazon and all the frequent website kind of connections in June. Awesome. Y'all, I, you know, I'm conflicted because I'd really like for everybody to go to their local bookstore. I was thinking the exact same thing. But yet at the same time, we need to read it immediately or at least is it going to be audio? So here, okay, so here's the thing with audio. If we can do like some kind of, you know, fundraiser for that shit, because... I probably should look into it a little more, especially because Knoxville has the resources that we have in terms of recording voice actors and all those kinds of things. But when I looked into it, I could not believe how much that I mean, I I understood it wasn't going to be like a couple of thousand dollars, but it is a lot of money. And it was more money for me to do the audio than actually push put my book out. So publish or whatever. Because you would have to you would have to hire a voice actor or an editor and somebody that actually, you know, directs. And and it's like it's like a movie. I mean, they have to put it all together. You know, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of times actors do the readings because they're used to reading scripts. Well, would you read it yourself? Some people have asked me to, but I don't think you want this voice reading that book. I don't know. I mean, it's not, you know. It's pretty it, offensive to some folks. How so? Well, your the, voice because is Brittany, offensive? Listen, Brittany or Ariel or whatever her fucking name is at the Clinton Highway Target um, <laughs> did not appreciate me asking for the oil. 
and oil. she said what are you what are you looking for i said i need oil for my car motor oil and she was like i don't know what you're asking me <laughs> and so she gets on her little target walkie-talkie and she says do yeah, we have oil, oil? I don't even know how she said it, but it was something like that. And another Target employee had to come over for me to tell them I was saying oil. And then so that's why I think people would not want to because it'd be like, Mercy walks down the mountain. And it'd be the serious. I don't know. I like that. It's an Appalachian witch story from not a witch, but like where the... And then you'd have you those know, moments our skin of me going, come from. I need the I need the editor editor or whatever because I would get lost in. Thought. Is it set in a certain place or a fantasy type place? So one of the things that I love, and this is one of my favorite questions when people ask me about my book, um, I'm a huge fan of Neil Gaiman, and I love it when fantasy worlds mix with real world. Mm-hmm. So I, I do love Tolkien, and I do I do love when things are set in their own kind of whatever. But my writing has always been an intermingling mm-hmm. of worlds. And so um, I will tell you, it starts in uh, southeast Kentucky, and then it ends up in New Orleans, and then it ends up uh, in space on the planet Saturn. Uh, then it ends up in the Carpathian Forest in Romania, and then it ends up back in Appalachia. And so, and all the, these are all places that I have traveled to myself. So it's very much reflective of my own adventures. How is Saturn? As well. Except for Saturn. God damn it. I would love to go, though. Maybe I have been in my dreams. I don't know. Have you not the way that I described Saturn, Saturn, though, is everything that I want it to be. So hopefully, when people read it, and I did a lot of research, I have some friends that are like astrophysicists and do a lot of research for shit like that. So yes. I was like, I know it's not possible to live on Saturn. However, if, we if were, you could, if we were, would there be diamonds raining in the sky? Probably. Yes or no? And there are. There are, because they really do. There really does rain diamonds on Saturn. So. Yeah, very we nice. We just all have to have helmets. I can't wait to read it. I'm bringing, and I don't read too much. You're gonna get an I don't read copy. too much uh, fiction. Uh, there, I know, I know. I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of nonfiction as well mm-hmm. until the past year and a half, and I've went back to reading more fiction. I love hermetic philosophy, so I study a lot of crazy shit. Or did you read the Alchemist? Of course, probably or not. Listen, really. so I used to tell people when I would advertise this book how it was going to be like. I love spiritual fiction. I've read everything he's written, to mm-hmm. be quite honest with you. Um, some of it's problematic, a little bit patriarchal at, at times. And, um, but I wanted to create that kind of spiritual fiction that didn't come from that Christian kind of mm-hmm. you know platform. And so I feel like the folks that love Celestine Prophecy, The Alchemist, uh, Veronica Decides to Die, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that do love pagan, more occult kind of uh, foundations and their spiritualism will really kind of understand this in a way that typical fantasy writers won't. Yeah. Fantasy writers will enjoy it, but deeply kind Readers. of. Readers. Yeah. Occultists, spiritualists, people that try to look at things like symbolically or spiritually, philosophically, they will enjoy this book more than anybody, I think. Yeah. I hope. Well, I liked when we were talking and your ideas about Solomon and some things like that that we were talking about. So. That was you, wasn't it? That no. was definitely me. Okay. He is in the book. <laughs> okay. He's a character. Okay. But so. you're not talking about just now. You're talking about when y'all met and talked, right? Yeah, when we were yeah. at the um, full moon thing. The thing, yeah. You know, so. 
just for our listeners if you are in the knoxville area and you need a place to like hang out and stuff i suggest that you first go to facebook and you look up the fat life yeah p-h-t yeah with ash mac and join that group and maybe come to a wine and spirits uh one yeah, evening it was fun it was super fun we had a good time. And, and it was just good to be around that energy for me because i really mm-hmm. needed that energy that evening it had yeah. been a rough week and i don't think that even though you do have males that come there i just don't think that women empower women enough these days like we're all on the same fucking team here okay get with it well i like that when we had our previous conversation because now i'm throwing in things that you know no one listening first of all they never have any damn idea what i'm talking about anyway and second (laughs) the uh like when you were talking the masculine energy isn't all bad like dealing with the masculine is not necessarily a terrible thing utilizing and calling on that so i think that people because women have been so you know underprivileged and had so much issue that getting power back of any kind we're almost feel the need to covet it you know and hold on to it so much but some power comes with submission Mm -hmm. as well so you know well shout out to the first black woman on the supreme court yeah Yeah. man yeah it's about time it's past time way past time way past time but, you know. Well, yeah, they should have already been way on there. I mean, you know, they're the first. I would like to see it be all women. And just, women. You know, let's just see what happens. You know, let's just see what happens. Well, if there women, are. If women run the role, let's just see. Could it be any worse? It's kind of interesting because in a lot of pagan cultures, though, the women do lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, though. I love this about tarot as well when you talk about that empress and emperor energy like feminine energy is very wild and chaotic and it's got this creationism to it Mm -hmm. and there has to be a way to anchor that down so it can take root and grow so you need both of those energies no matter where they come from right what's encompassing them we can't just say that one or the other is well as a human being we have both energy within us so it's you know i'm just talking strictly like you know yes i understand what you're saying but men have had the power for so long oh yeah yeah it the table needs to turn for sure just you know let's just try it consider it an experiment if you make them feel like it's their idea you know yeah, maybe right. they'll do it worse than what <laughs> i read something one time and it was another man that said it. i can't think of his name though so whatever you know just some dude but he said that the problem with women being in power that why men have bucked it so long is because they themselves realize once we have it they'll never get it back it will never be a we're going to return to things this way they will always and that's where we're supposed to be in our rightful power i can see that That, i mean that's what they're trying to do right now with uh the abortion laws you know they're just they're trying 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 to to keep 
women oppressed and well, we're not they're worried it. about a lot of things and the reason they don't want women to have access to abortion are because many women are choosing not to have children period and we're not a lot of people believe that the world is overly populated but a lot there are a lot of other people that believe that it isn't overly populated and that What's we're somehow belief? using their status i think women need to choose no no, no. They is the do. world overly populated technically no it isn't i mean we have a lot of space there are a lot of people that could you know we have overpopulated areas mm-hmm. but we don't have an overpopulated world right now we also have mm-hmm. opportunities to be more efficient with our resources yes. as well. Mm-hmm. And I think when people look at overpopulation, they look at uh, the limitations of what they're currently resourcing mm-hmm. or to the detriment of the environment of what they're currently resourcing when we know that there are lots of more sound you know, opportunities yes. for us to, to function. Mm-hmm. There are. But anyway, I don't know. And especially the people that are lawmakers who tend to be, you know white old men that nobody will get out of office for whatever reason i don't understand no but (laughs) i you know there's a show called i know i'm bringing in tv again but it it's relevant designated survivor where they they bomb congress and uh well they start over now yeah they had nefarious things with that but if it was by the people i have no idea even what you're talking about but cool yeah. There's a show on, it was, uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in it. That's the only reason why I remember it. And I re- love him is they, in Congress, when you have like the state of the union or any kind of yeah, speech like that. Yeah, when everybody's all yeah, there. Yeah. You have a designated survivor in case mm-hmm. something like that happens. And it's usually like, you know, a house of representatives, you know, or part of the Senate. Everybody's got their turn where they've got to stay out in the bunker and they got to watch it on TV. Yeah. That happens. They blow up Congress. And now this designated survivor, who's probably a House representative out of, you know, Connecticut or something. Mm -hmm. Now he's president. And now he has to figure out, you know, what all happened and everything. So that's where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. She said, bring out the guillotine. That's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. But that's a whole nother thing. I'm it not gonna is. we're not gonna do that right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're gonna Gavin Girl time this sucker up, but then we'll turn it off and talk. Oh, okay. Talk about the real shit. <laughs> yeah. The real con- the real Illuminati conspiracy the shit. Stuff. The secret I'm, stuff. The, the secret contract I'm gonna sign. Yeah, I want, I would need to know what all this I know owls represent death, but man, it's a lot. I'm making the pyramid sign right now. Yeah, in case she you're is. wanting to know. Illuminati <laughs> I guarantee you after this episode, if somebody says Illuminati, I'm gonna get like the Illuminati something on my Instagram. Somebody's gonna follow me that says oh, sure. the Illuminati. The Illuminati. I know yeah. they don't come for me. They're like, Yeah, whatever. Her dad was Aww. a Mason. Are are you already there though? Probably. Probably in a book. Who knows? So where I can like they would be in a book somewhere on somebody's radar? Oh, I'm definitely on some radar. Oh, you on a list? For sure. I'm, I'm on, on some I'm list. On, I'm definitely on a list. I'm on a bunch of lists. <laughs> <laughs> and they just keep growing every day. 
But we have lists too, and if you would like to be on our list, email us at gabandgirltime at gmail.com. Because your wish or your kiss or something. <laughs> yes. Your consensual kiss, kiss. Is on my list. Ugh, I miss kissing. I miss the kissing booth. Ugh, I have to just kiss one person for the rest of my life. No. Well, kiss your friends you can and often. back a kissing booth at a burn. They had a hugging booth at the burn. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like literal radical self-expression. It was so of, cool. Uh, penetration holes and bathrooms. You can bring that back too. <laughs> they do have that. That's probably still here. It's just usually in the men's bathroom. But you can take it to the uh, to the burn, make it public. Yeah, you can. You I can do that. Do they have sex burns? You can make a glory hole. They have burns where you just like do nothing but... They have camps at the burns that I go to that have... There's Camp Fucking Awesome and it has an orgy tent. And there's camp um, right across from my camp. I sent you a picture of a pew and a, a cross. And they did a scene right there on the side of the road. Like, we're on the road, and we got Camp Just People, which is like a bar dance party across the street from a girl that was doing, oh, my gosh, she was making potions. I was right in the middle of producing your show it when, that, when you sent me. so <laughs> great. And it was like, wow. And what's weird is I was an hour off. It's an hour behind for a lot of stuff, so... Like, I'm getting messages or whatever, and it's 12 your time and 11 my time or whatever, and I'm just like, what is going on here? Why? <laughs> you know, what time is what? It was weird. Plus, I was, you know, on another astro plane. Aha. Uh -huh. You should see the stuff that's there. It's fantastical. I wish that I could. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture of the sky and just uh, anyway. It's a very cool experience. You should see I, the sun. I highly oh, expect you you should go to a burn for sure. Yeah. You should. I know. I haven't lived enough. I definitely. But you, you know, yeah. Um, alchemy is where you should go because it doesn't have any nudity laws because it's in Georgia. So if you're rad if you want to radically self-express yourself by being naked, you can. You don't have to. Nobody makes you be na go naked. Um to the moon what's wild is alchemy this year because it's back at cherokee farms is closer than the tennessee regional burn but alchemy is a large burning man event regionally some of my friends started that to the moon um andrea and uh gabby brad and gabby and brad, yeah. yeah i know them very well headroom yeah. mm-hmm Nice. Marissa comes yeah. and does aerial and stuff and pole. What do you do? You know Marissa and Adam? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. Yep. So I know them by association through Carrie and all of those. All of those. Yeah, folks. Like, Very cool. Yeah, that's cool. A lot um, of them are my pole students too. So that's so neat. Yeah, they do some cool oh, ass stuff. That. Mention that as well. Circus Combustus. Oh, yeah. Well, come see me at Sharon Inspiration Pole Fitness on Jackson Avenue in the Old City. Yeah. yeah. I'll put, I'm what put nights that do you teach? I teach too. specifically on Tuesdays at 2 and Sunday I teach at 4 o'clock. Um, there are intro classes every single day and every teacher teaches differently. So I always tell everybody, you know, find that good fit for you. And, and every teacher offers different things. And so I go to different teachers to get different things from them. But, yeah. Tuesday, yeah, one of our... 
guest was also yeah she took over my Stella. class and so susan was one of your guests and now she ta- she takes she has the voluptuous lovelies class which is on wednesday i love you Susie q yes, susan. tell you what that changed her life right there yeah she has if a great you wonder for all that. you wonder if, an, awesome. if pole can change your life and you think you can't do something it absolutely she can. is proof right there she, yeah, that yep. you can do it she is phenomenal and I love you so much, Susie. I love her too. I love you too. Where can they find you, Gail? Gavin Girl Time. Everywhere. Oh, Gavin Gail Time. <laughs> you can find me at Gavin Girl Time. You can find me at Gavin Gail Time. You might find me around the corner. I don't know. I'm everywhere. I'm here, there, everywhere. And I am Brady Von Beaverhausen and on Instagram. These people who want to give me a free iPhone, please stop. Please stop <laughs> tagging me in the fucking comments, please. All I do is block you. Yeah, she doesn't even but- use an iPhone. <laughs> do not. Screw Apple for her. Now, I don't say that AI that's listening to me right now. I love you, dude. Yeah, there you go. Your phone's gone. Yeah. Uh, and- Just shut down. <laughs> oh, fine. You don't, you don't like us? Fine. Delete. <laughs> And I am Bruce Tonsils on Fat Life and TikTok. Thank you guys for listening. I know. I'm so, and are you sing with us? East. I'm mean, sure. Yay! I, I ask that of everybody. So, um, very yay. It's, it's the same as the first. Are you ready? Same as the first. Yeah. I was trying to think of something. I'm excited. We don't know what I'm just listening. Go ahead. It has something to do with your books. That'll be good. Okay. You know what? We thank you so much for listening to Gavin Girl Time. Gavin Girl Time. Gavin Girl Time. Oh, Mercy, Mercy's Quest. It's a book that you should read that comes out in June. Is that it? How about Can I get some la-la-la's in there? La-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-